Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to BWI Live, 10 a.m. here on Wednesday? I almost thought it was Thursday for a second. (laughs) I've been up since 6, so don't just ignore me. Uh, Welcome to the show. Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer with us today. We're going to be talking about Penn State Open Practice yesterday, James Franklin comments, and some of the other comments that we uh, spoke to some of the, the players and coaches afterwards give you a full breakdown of everything we saw and heard yesterday at practice. Uh, practice number four was yesterday. Uh, as I said, uh, Penn State insiders Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer with us. Uh, Fitz, how are you doing today? How's the puppy? I know you got a new puppy recently, so that's got to be a whole new level of things going on behind the scenes for you. Puppy's going great. Um, and by the way, uh, telling two guys with two kids uh, in single digits that you got up at six, I'm sorry, it, it, it provides no clout with you whatsoever. <laughs> like, that, that is the day. That is what happens. Um, yeah. But no, we're great. We, we're talking uh, Penn State football. We had open practice last night, so we're going to get into that a little bit. Got some mailbag questions. Got a little bit of everything today. So excited for it. Nate, um, how is everything going on your end? How's the insider business going for basketball? (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. fine. Things are happening. Uh, You know, it's uh, what do they call it? High alert. We're head on a swivel. So uh, just, uh, you know, tracking Micah Shrewsbury and what he plans to do. And so if I failed to make it the whole way through this show my apologies in advance to the uh to the loyal listeners out there but uh yeah stuff 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 happening yeah never apologize i i i considered a true honor when we get adam Schefter on the show uh when when fitz is looking at his phone and we're getting information in live time or if nate is uh has to leave because there's breaking news this is what we do this is what you guys do i should say is that you are the the people that uh that get this information, then give it to other people. So I'm I'm excited for that. And of course, when there is breaking news, Nate and I will break it all down here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Make sure you like the channel, you subscribe to the channel, and you like this video. Get into all of that nonsense in just a little bit. But uh, Nate, I want to come back to you quickly here. Yeah. Um, biggest news coming out of yesterday from Tuesday night, as far as like news information, doesn't sound like injuries are going super great from what James Franklin updated us from the beginning of uh, camp on Tuesday last week to Tuesday this week. What did he have yeah. to say about that? Yeah, I mean, he just he just said that he wished that more people were out there, but they're not, and they're gonna keep going, right? I mean, it's look, uh, not that any of the absences that they have aren't important. They are. I, I think it's just a matter of y- you know trying to keep some perspective, right? If it was Drew Aller, again, I'll go back to it. It was Drew Aller, it would be a different conversation, right? Like we would, <laughs> it would be, uh, the tone would would pivot pretty dramatically. But 
to have uh, some absences at Mike linebacker say, or, um, you know, on the offensive line, right? Like, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. And it's something that they can sustain fairly comfortably, I would say. Uh, some of the other stuff that happened uh, yesterday, we got a chance to talk to Mike Yursich, and we got, uh, I know Fitz and I were standing there talking to Mike Yursich. What are some of the things that stood out to you when, when he was talking to the media? Because he, he talked for a good, I think he talked for as long as James Franklin, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I was always intrigued by those things, but what stood out to you? Yeah, a little more informal than the James Franklin press conference, which is good, which is, I mean, Mike Yursich is a little more informal than James Franklin. So we'll say, we'll say that, um, you know, he, he's, he talked a lot about the quarterbacks as you would naturally expect a lot of the questions surrounding uh, Drew Aller, Bo Perbula, and then, then a little bit on Jackson Smollick as well. Um, but uh, those guys becoming more vocal, being more natural. I think it's, it, it's very important that, to remember we're f- four practices in uh, to the spring right now. So like, you know, the, not a ton has happened in terms of moving the needle, those guys are getting settled in. He talked again about the importance of having Sean Clifford around and, and having the way to prepare laid out in front of those guys. And they're picking up a lot on that. Um, but they are becoming more vocal. I think he said it like three times last night. Once it steps on the field, it becomes natural for those guys. And that's good. Mm-hmm. We know we know Bo's a, a very good leader, like just based off of his entire history that we know about him. Um, Drew, I think we're going to have to see a little bit more. Um, quiet guy. Like when he got on campus, very quiet not, I don't think in the sense that we talked the same about Taquan Roberson quiet, but like, you know, it, it, it's going to take some coming out of his shell to get there. And I think he's on that track. So I don't think it's a, a worry for them there. Um, another another theme that he came across, he said vision probably eight times last night. Like it's uh, it's something that's very big. We talk a lot about decision making and uh, arm talent, you know, accuracy and things like that. But I think vision is something that we don't really talk about when we talk about um, what Mike Gersich looks for in a quarterback. That's not just seeing the defense. That's not just seeing the blackboard and things like that. I mean, it's 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 seeing and recognizing those things that Sean Clifford was so good about. So I, I think those are a couple things to take away from it. Uh, he talked about. Uh, Bo Provula in the sense that he is a dual threat quarterback, but did not want to call him a dual threat quarterback. I thought that that was funny. Um, again, yeah. the scouting report, we, we, we think we know we're getting with Bo Provula as he continues to improve as a passer, as a thrower. Um, but uh, it's just funny to see the, the contrasting styles there. Um, you asked him about arm strength. He yeah. kind of up because he's like, okay, I don't have to BS about personnel. I don't have to talk about this guy, this guy, this guy, um, because that's the thing with Mike Yersich. You ask him about a guy, yeah, every place has competition. You know, every position has competition. He asks about Keandre Lambert-Smith. Yeah, there's competition at Y. You know, that that's how he does things. That's how he approaches things. Um, he does not like to talk specifics, and he will not talk about a player unless he's asked specifically about that player. So when you open him up to a topic about, hey, what is arm strength? He's like, kid on christmas morning let's talk yeah. some x's and o's let's talk about the the schematics of all this because as he told you it, it's not just about you know throwing just making that whipping this is not rookie of the year uh the movie that was probably made before you were born uh the whipping motion is not everything for arm strength it, it's a it's a little bit of the process and i think that's what really interested him yeah i see we we vibe on that level i love talking about x's and o's because that's really 
what's going into a lot of these decisions is what do you what are you trying to accomplish and going back to talking about Bo Prabula and his scouting report when we do these kind of general narratives about and and I think what he was pushing back on the dual threat quarterback thing we also have this conversation about arm strength and you've got Drew Aller who has clear strong uh arm qualities but I think even sometimes it, it experts get caught up in this guy is what he is and I, and and it's not what I want for X. But just like speed and just like strength, armed I believe arm strength with certain players can get better. Like even for Drew Aller, his arm strength can get better, and that's really what I was interested in is Bo Perbule is bigger and stronger now. So is his arm bigger and stronger? How does that process work? And you know, the 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 conversations I've had with quarterback experts. And one of the things that he said that was interesting is when he's talking about throwing mechanics, not trying to change those things, like working within the bounds of those things. And Brad Mandler, the quarterback coach for Drew Aller, he's not interested in getting into the, the nitty gritty, of the fundamentals. But when he talked about the, the chain of movements, the kinetic movement, throwing with your legs, the snap of the hips, making sure all those things are, um, you know, in tune. I think that's, that's a really great place for a, a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator B to understand exactly what you need and how to help accentuate it without getting in the way. And quarterback developers are so important in football. And that trying to figure out is, is Mike Yersich a guy that can develop quarterbacks to take good from great and great to elite. I think we've seen uh, evidence that he's very good at this and just kind of getting into his process. I was fascinated by that. I really enjoyed that conversation. The, the problem is like you ask a question and then he gives you the answer. And I just want, like, I want to keep talking. <laughs> I wanted to keep I, going with that. I, conversation. Was the same. I, was, I was thinking there because, because you mentioned Brad and, and the quarterback coach, the personal quarterback coaches, the one thing that I, that I caught when, when Mike was talking was they don't want to change too much of what they already do. So it's not like he's going in there and saying, here are the, here are the mechanics, here are the fundamentals. Here's what you have to do in our system to be one of our quarterbacks. He's taking what they have already done. You know, he, he's worked with Brad for a long time. He's done some really nice things and just sort of refining that. And I think that that's, that's really cool and probably really hard to do for a guy like Mike Yersuch, who's making seven figures, you know, as a, as an offensive guru, as a quarterback guy, whatever to take that uh, from a personal quarterback coach. But that's part of, that's part of the give and take. That's part of the game. And he, he, he trusts those guys. He's worked with those guys or talked with those guys a bunch. So I thought that that was interesting and in that you're not trying to pigeonhole and, and going back to something like arm strength. I mean, all of that stuff comes together, the sequencing, the, the, the posture, the platform, all that kind of stuff. It's why, when Stetson Bennett is 5'11", six foot, and has a freaking cannon. Like, it's not just that his arm is that much stronger than everybody else. It's because he has those mechanics. He does all those things right and gets the ball out there fast. So it's not, I mean, you, you can put Josh Allen out there at 6'5". You can put Stetson Bennett out there at six foot. You know, like, this is how it comes about. This is not just how far can you throw a football. And squats are a big part of it. Like, I, I'm just... Uh, I that's why you know the the conversation around Bo Prabula. I hope we can have that that com we can see more from him this year. And my hope is that if I'm correct about this, that we're changing the conversation of he's not Trace McSorley. 
fundamentally, in a lot of ways, Trace McSorley, the, the, the conversation was he is so great within the limitations of his physical frame and all the things because he didn't have the strongest arm. I think there's more there for for Bo Perbula. Uh, got some people here in the chat. And by the way, at the end of the show, we're taking BWI mailbag questions, and we need you and your help to make that section of the show sing. So if you've got a great, thoughtful question, we're talking about mechanics, we're talking about quarterback development. If you've got a question about some of that stuff or maybe some other really smart football conversations you want to have, drop them in the chat. Best way to get your, your question noticed, and so I see it at the end of the show, is to leave a donation through the Super Chat function. But uh, we'll be getting to the best questions at the end of the show, so drop those in now. Mike is on the way to a sales appointment and commenting along the way. Uh, Mike, be careful. Don't text and drive. I love the commitment, but I want you here for the next show. Uh, WK says, of course, my team's meetings start at 10, uh, but he's still listening. So appreciate everyone's uh, commitment here to the show. Uh, but please stay employed and stay alive so that we can have you here on the show next week. Nate, who did you talk to? We had a great conversation with Mike Yersich. Who, who did you speak to and who did you listen to um, during the post James Franklin comments? Yeah. Uh, so I talked to Kobe King. And he was great. He's great. He's always, he's always insightful and, um, you know, just very well measured. I, I thought that, uh, you know, he talked about how much more comfortable he is. It's all stuff that you would expect, right? I mean, you get a third spring practice in and, um, I think it just, it's just a, a, a more comfortable place to be. He's changed his body. I think he said that he actually, he was losing weight. He's, he's, um, he's, he's, I don't want to say thinning out. Like, I mean, he looks ridiculous. He's jacked right now. So that, that, uh, that kind of stood out to me. I do want to touch on, on one thing that, uh, I, I don't know how much attention we've given it so far, but, um, Kendra Lambert Smith pointed out, uh, right. Like by James Franklin as doing really well this spring, mm-hmm. I, I think is significant. Like that was the thing that I took away from yesterday on the whole was, literally Franklin turning his attention to who's the third, right? If so, he, he kind of put it out there as Keandre needs to be the guy, right? Like a, the guy at Penn state, the guy in the big 10. And I, I felt the tone was optimistic toward that end. Like that's a, that's a positive. That's an important thing for Penn state football to, to have that. Uh, Trey Wallace was a guy who he, he pointed out as having taken strides and, and being better. And so when it, when it shifts from that to, Hey, this is like the, the priority now is figuring out how they're going to, they're going to have a third guy. Is it going to be a rotational role? Is it going to be somebody who can separate from the pack? That's that, that caught my attention. I, I thought that was, that was fairly important and a fairly significant storyline that we're going to be following obviously all off season, but in particular right now to, to get that feedback, I thought was pretty important. And I, well, and I don't think it was said in, in a message form either, like not sending a message yeah. to Keandre that he needs to be the number one. Like he's done that in the past with players. And, and this was more like, yeah, I think he's coming along as a number one. Like he's, and that's a, that's a good sign, you know, obviously still distance to go to get there, but like for, for him to be at that point, especially with Keandre where consistency and, and confidence is so important, I think it's a very positive statement. So like he's not sitting up there being super effusive, but like he's being, he's being 
complimentary. And by the way, thanks for reading our notes over the weekend where we talked about Keandre Lambert Smith. Um, but no, this is, this is positive steps. Yeah, that's right. This is positive steps, uh, in that room that just has so many questions. So you mentioned over the weekend, uh, Fitz, um, just quickly before we get to some of the observations from practice yesterday, um, how does the calendar work and how does, uh, this, cause James Franklin mentioned, Nate, what's going on? No, you're just you're a big jerk, Fitz. There was an NCAA tournament game this weekend that I was covering. So anyway, go ahead, continue, T. Frank. Yes, uh, everyone was very busy over the weekend, James Franklin included, where uh, he mentioned that um, one of the one of the comments was. Live practice didn't have as much physicality from the young guys because they're thinking, want to see how they do uh, in the next live practice. So I think just for fans that don't know, Fitz, how is practice uh, formatted and when do things start to heat up? Because he mentioned, again, another thing he talked about was, you know, we're in installation phase right now. So when do we get kind of the meaty stuff and when should fans go to bluewhiteillustrated.com for your insider reporting on when you know, we start to separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say. Yeah. So four practices in so far, two unpadded practices last week. It's an acclimation period. Everybody does it. You have to do it. They got into it on Saturday uh, with a little bit of scrimmaging, as James Franklin said, where he mentioned the, the physicality aspect of it. And then, you know, starting tomorrow, we're in the middle third of spring practice. Like it doesn't seem like that because so little happens in the first week of spring ball. Um, but the way that Penn State's schedule uh, you know, is, is happening. It's basically every other day. Um, and that's, you know, some, some schools take six weeks to get 15 practices in. That's kind of how it works out with Penn state schedule. Um, the blue white game, of course, being when it is, has, has a big say in that. So I think we're just getting into sort of the meat of things. Um, a lot of installations so far, a lot of, uh, bring, bringing guys along and, when you don't have a four-year starter at quarterback, you know, it's going to take a little bit longer to get things in. That's not a slight on those guys. That's just natural progression. So um, I think we're, we're going to start getting into a little bit more. We had some notes over the weekend, some guys that stood out, but you know, you have to take those with the, the added expectation that, Hey, they've only had two practices at this point. How much can, can guys do at the same time, you know, check those notes out. Um, but that's kind of where we're at in this schedule. You get into it and the weekends are certainly important because that's when they like to do their scrimmaging. That's when they like to have their, or that's when they have their full squad on hand and, and can really go after it. We get Tuesday nights. Now they kind of switched it up. It used to be Wednesday nights. We get Tuesday nights now. So it's basically a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday situation at this point, Saturdays, you get the scrimmaging, maybe get in Beaver stadium a little bit. You get the recruits, more recruits on hand. There's recruits on hand for pretty much every practice now, but the big group of recruits that we talked about on the show the other day with Ryan Snyder, that's where you get them on Saturday. So just getting into that middle third. And that's when you get a chance to sort of separate some guys and, and pull out a little bit more in terms of standouts. We'll be getting to what we saw at that Tuesday practice here in just a second, but first, um, more insight, more ways to consume Blue White Illustrated. The magazine is coming out on Friday. So check that out wherever uh, you get your magazines, newsstands. You can go to bluewhiteillustrated.com, sign up for uh, the magazine as well, I think. Um, I don't know exactly that there. But uh, bluewhiteillustrated.com is where you get the information. Sign up now. Um, I, we are, you just missed our spring deal. As of today, that ended where you could get four a uh, month for $10. So it's back to uh, if you want to sign up now, and it's $29.99 until the start of the season. Still a great deal. But here's, here's what I'm suggesting to you. Yes, that's a great deal. 
But if you sign up for a year, then you're locked in and you know you're getting all the information, all the insight from now until next spring. So no matter how you sign up, you're still getting a great value from Blue White Illustrated. And of course, I want to make sure that we uh, uh, we represent here our show sponsor, the people that help us uh, make this live show go at 10 a.m. And that, of course, is Rogue Shop. Rogue Shop is a husband and wife outfit, Mr. Rogue and Char. Craft uh, cannabis farmers who spe- farmers who specialize in small batch sustainable plant medicine with a holistic type of uh, small business. They're from Wisconsin. They have a small indoor grow where they manufacture and they uh, work to educate the population on uh, THC and THC based medicine and to educate and inform. Like this is a, the part of the conversation I had with them. Myself was, I didn't know anything about THC. I was not somebody who consumed it previously, legally or illegally. So I had no idea what it could do for you. So if you want to learn more, rogueshop.com. Char is there. She answers your questions in the chat. They can help direct you to the medicine that you need uh, to help you with anxiety, sleep, um, any other areas that THC and CBD have been shown to help support your journey towards wellness. That's another really important thing is it's not about it's not about just having fun and goofing around. It's about making your life noticeably better. Rogueshop.com. I personally have used the uh, Delta 9 gummies to help me sleep at night. I ran out of them and I ordered more and I will not uh, make I'll make sure that I don't run out ever again because, man, those things are super helpful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, we saw practice yesterday. Nate, I'll come back to you. You spent some time with the offense. The receivers, you and I were talking pretty interesting. So what did you see from Marcus Higgins and how he was working with this group of receivers? Yeah, I thought, you know, and I don't want to like overstress this, but I just thought he was, he was extremely physical. He was engaged and, uh, you know, like it was, it was less of a Taylor Stubblefield had a, a quieter demeanor, I guess is how I would put it. Um, Marcus was, was just like much more engaged in, and not only explaining what to do, uh, but he was explaining why you're doing it, like what, what you're achieving. I, I just, I noticed that repeatedly was like, Hey, this is what's going to happen to the cornerback when you do this. This is, this is why you're uh, executing this, you know, specific drill or move, whatever you would call it. Uh, and I, I just, I thought that was interesting. So yeah, it's, it's he was 
he was a, an, an, act, an active <laughs> participant and um you know I, he it, runs really good routes i noticed that too watching him teach he was yeah. very like physically engaged he runs great routes and I, I was impressed by that yeah yeah so no but that that group though it just it just uh, very much captures your attention right because i think that the reading between the lines later about Malik McLean uh, from James Franklin, it was fairly clear to me, I would say that there, there's progress to be made, right? There, mm-hmm. There's, there's a gap between where he is and where they would need him to be uh, to, to be like an instant impact kind of like big time guy. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I, yep. I'm not saying that he, that he can't contribute or that he, he wouldn't have a role this season. I'm just saying, uh, you know, is he is he going to step in and, and displace Keandre? No, he, like I, I thought that that was fairly clear. Uh, you know, last night. Uh, one thing I noticed is that the if you're watching here on YouTube, running contested catch situations, an area where I think this team really needs to take a step forward from the receiver position is catching the ball in contested situations and breaking tackles. And he was really getting into how to do it, why you do it, and then making them do it in, in those kind of uncomfortable situations of catching the ball in a tight space. Uh, that's an immediate difference for me. There's some drills that we saw uh, yesterday that I have never seen before. doesn't mean they don't do it when we're not there, but they're pretty good into their routine. Um, Anything else from the offense? I, I don't know who else you were talking uh, to or looking at. Uh, did you have a chance to look at the tight ends or the offensive line at all? No, no, it was <laughs> it was mostly the receivers. Mostly uh, the receivers. Okay. You know, I watched the quarterbacks. I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Franklin said at one point, you know, and look like again, these are a, a bunch of things that I, I guess you would expect to a certain extent. But talk, talking about running through the line for running through the line of scrimmage for the quarterbacks to work on their conditioning. Like I I thought that was just, Hey, sprint, right? Like you're not carrying the ball, but on that bootleg kind of fake thing that they were doing, Mm -hmm. you you sprint through the line of scrimmage. Um, So, but uh, you know, other than that, it just, it, it remains the 15 minutes in which we will try to extrapolate all of the things that we can possibly extrapolate, but I pretty much watch the receivers. Yeah. I uh, I got a chance to check out the offensive line, bluewhiteillustrated.com in the uh, notes from yesterday if you want to get more information about that. Some guys looked good, um, but uh, I'll let you you see that over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Fits with the defense as usual. Where were there any things you picked out that you want to highlight here that you thought were interesting? I think I think just numbers jump out. You you, know, you feel pretty confident about the first two groups of defensive linemen there's a little bit of a drop off you know you get to the the third group which is natural um but uh that they seem to have many guys in place with the exception of Kaziah Izzard who I don't think we're gonna see much of this spring uh at linebacker not so much the case uh Tyler Elson again not out there um and when you've only got what nine scholar or eight scholarship linebackers right now that's gonna cut into that and it's gonna be more noticeable um I still think the safeties are the story here like it's um you lose Jair Brown, very big loss, undoubtedly very big loss. Uh, but these four guys can play, and I think they're all going to play a lot. Like when we get to the season, you're going to see fairly even snap counts. I'll be honest with you, uh, Jalen Reed, I didn't expect to see as much of Jalen Reed this spring as po- as we have so far. He yeah. had the surgery after the Rose Bowl, of course, missed part of the Rose Bowl. Um, but I'm curious if part of that goes back to like – 
if he doesn't practice, is he going to lose his spot? Because the key Wheatley and KJ Winston are really good. Like they're, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be terrific and like legitimately challenged for the starting spot. And as I said, all four of those guys will play, but like, that's a highly contested position right there. And, you know, even, even after losing TIG, I think it's still in, in a good spot. So I don't see too much. I mean, it, it was contested catches on the defense, all the, the the transition drills, the turnover drills and things like that. So we're not seeing a whole lot there, but just taking taking account of all those position groups, that's kind of what jumps out to me. Uh, I got to see the linebackers for just a little bit doing some of those drills, and boy, does Tony Rojas look good. It's something I wanted to ask James Franklin because my, my, my thought was coming from defense vend, not doing any of the stuff you're seeing him do now might not be natural to him, but you look at him and uh, Tammy Robinson here on the YouTube channel, Tony looks supernatural. Like he looks very fluid in space. So, you know, from a, from drill to transitioning that to the actual practice, one of the things I'm curious about is how does that transition work from a guy that is not a safety converting to linebacker in college? He's a defense vend and Primarily, those guys have gone to Will Linebacker, not out into the field. So just a general curiosity about, I think everyone's wondering, is Tony Rojas going to be a part of the conversation this year? And what position is he starting from? So I thought that was an interesting place uh, for the uh, for, for the defense outside of the obvious places of Abdul Carter, who looks awesome, fits. Uh, it, it, when you were around him, it, are you have you gotten used to it yet? <laughs> Uh, kind of, I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, I, I'm a big guy. So these guys don't jump out as much to me, but like, it's noticeable. Like we saw that video the other day. He looks like a pro that is like snuck his way into Penn state's practice. Like that's how he looks physically and obviously moves really well. does all the things, um, that we have seen him do so far. It's just, it, it's when you take a look at the difference between a good college linebacker and a pro, like a legitimate pro high level prospect, like first, second day NFL draft, that's what it is like. And, and Penn state has started to recruit that way. Um, we talk about getting bigger and I think that's a very simple conversation. You know, it's, it's way too simplified um, in terms of what they're looking for, but like guys like Abdul Carter, guys like denied Dennis Sutton uh, guards, like, like Birchmeyer and, you know, the Dunka, the guys that they brought in that are just, they're just physically bigger. And, and, and you notice those guys right off the bat. And uh, I think that that's really what I take away from when I see Abdul Carter, because Tamia Robinson is a big kid. Like he is six, three, maybe shade over six, three, probably two forty right now, two thirty five something like that. And he fills out that, uh, you know, there's, there's no question that they're going to have to have a decision to make about linebacker edge. Like, cause yeah. he's so big, he's so naturally big. Abdul is bigger than him, but like you don't have those questions because you see him move around and it's just yeah. a different speed, different size. So I think that's that's really what you take away when you watch Abdul Carter because you know there's still so much development left in him to tap into. Like that's the exciting part, but to do it at that size, like you you, you look at you know I know Alabama's uh, coming out of the the combine, Alabama some of Alabama's numbers were a bit inflated, um, but they're bigger guys that can move at a different level, playing at a position above. Um, in that hierarchy that we talk about, they've got guys that are defensive end size playing middle linebacker. Like that's not, that's not an accident. That's the way that they do things. So I think Penn state's trying to move in that manner. Um, You're only going to get a couple of those guys per class. um, But you continue to try when James Franklin says not sacrificing size for athleticism, you're trying to get both. And that's, I think that's, that's where it comes out with a guy like Abdul Carter. 
just in case we don't have Nate here later in the show because we are on Coach Watch, uh, and because Fitz and I have generally no interest in, in the actual conversation here, David Greeter gives us a super chat. Oven beef and noodles over beef and rice. I don't know that I know what oven beef and noodles is. That beef stroganoff. Secondly, and most importantly, is there any news division pods uh, development on how Penn State will schedule going forward to the Big Ten? Nate, have you heard anything about this? Is there any update here? No. Okay. Uh, not not that I'm aware of. I, I have. I, I mean, I'll just be honest. Like, I, if if that happened, I did not see it. I, there there hasn't really been any conversation uh, to that end that that I've noticed anyway. Yeah, I mean, so, going, going away from divisions, right? Just, uh, I think it's more about yeah. the the protected rivalries at this point. So, I mean, I think they've they've realized what a disaster divisions is from a from a balance perspective, and you can't like forecast that stuff ten years out. Like, maybe yeah. Nebraska is really good again in ten years. You know, you can't really play that uh, that role and and split that up. I mean, I guess you can try it geographically, but still, like, it's going to ro- rotate around Ohio State and Michigan. That's what this conference is. I mean, it, let's let's just be honest. So. Um, I think you, you get away from divisions, you figure out the way to protect those rivalries and then go from there. Cause I think opening it up helps your entire like premise as a conference, right? Like to, to make that easier for your guys to get into the playoff. That's what you're, that's what you're aiming for. Uh, really the, the thing we should take away from this conversation is that we need to step up some of the questions in the chat if we want to get a good mailbag. So submit those now. We'll be getting that in just a few minutes. Um, thanks to David for the uh, for updating on that situation and for the donation. If you want to uh, get into the mailbag, drop a question in the chat. We've got a couple ready to go, but we want to hear from you as well. Uh, that brings us to our new segment where we break down something James Franklin said and we comment on it whether it's between whether it's kind of reading between the lines or just discussing something important he said that's next so Nate kind of hit on this earlier we're going to skip over the conversation about the wide receivers because uh that third wide receiver position and and how that has gone we got to that earlier today this one was the one where i was like okay i need some context i need my experts here to tell me what's james franklin talking about he was asked about khalil dinkins and the depth tight ends standing out who has played well how have they done so far and this is his response which very shortly Stops talking about Khalil Dinkins as far as I can tell. To your tell. point, when you guys asked earlier about a guy that's standing out, Khalil, I think, would fall into that category. He's been he's been really good. But one of the things I talked to, you know, the guys about is, you know, one of the things I, I believe in, and sometimes these guys don't understand because this is the only place they've ever been, so they don't know, but, like, everybody's getting a ton of reps. And that doesn't happen everywhere. A lot of times, you know, that, you know, even in spring ball, not everybody's getting reps. And same thing in training camp. Everybody's getting reps. And then some of these guys are getting a ton of reps because there's injuries. And then they either don't know what they're doing or they want to be dramatic about the amount of reps they're getting. And nobody cares. This isn't high school anymore. No, nobody cares. Get the job done. Um, and then on top of that, these are the same guys that during the fall – are going to be complaining that they're not getting reps. You know, they got the reps right now. They need to take advantage of them and show everybody that they got a chance to compete here at a high level. Um, and that's kind of the adjustment right now for a lot of the mid-semester guys, but really also a lot of the freshmen last year that may may not have played a bunch. They got to understand 
and what they have to do and how they have to compete at this level uh, to be successful day in and day out. So is that the, uh, that's, uh, he sounds a little hoarse there. I don't know if it's spring allergies or if that was what he was yelling at the team uh, after practice uh, before he came to see us. Nate, um, is, what do you take away from that conversation? You know, look, it's, that's what he does. It's messaging, right? It's, hey, whoever had that conversation with me on, on the team kind of complaining or wasn't happy with how things were going this spring or had an issue with how things were going last year, because look, he talked about that in November, right? I remember one of the, one of the Wednesday press conferences, he talked about how uh, I actually asked him in, in one of the rare questions that I ask uh, during, during a press conference, I asked him about how the red shirts were coming along and whether or not there was ever, like how the response of what the response is of those players, right? As a guy who's going through a red shirt and has to debate whether or not to take it off late in the season. And he, he brought up the point. He said, look, like the conversation changes pretty dramatically where everybody at the beginning of the season in the true freshman class wants to play. And then they realize that they're, uh, opportunities are limited and the, the, over the season, the tone changes. They don't want to be a, to lose their red shirt, to lose their eligibility by just being a role player, by just being a guy who excels on special teams, for instance, right? Like mm-hmm. that's just, that's not how guys want to spend that first year, but they don't make that clear until late in the season. But the, the underside of that is, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of gripes. There's a lot of unhappy guys on the front side of the season when they're going through that process because they want to be playing. And so I thought that last night's comments were a little bit of an addendum to that. Right. It's the bookend on that comment saying, OK, well, that happened last year. That that was your stance last year. Now you got it. <laughs> now you're now you're over here and we're going to give you a bajillion reps this spring you need to take advantage of that. You need to, to be, uh, you know, not just happy with it, but you should be thriving. So you can't, you can't have it both ways. And um, you know, I, I just, it's an interesting dynamic for, for him to play with, but certainly putting the message out there to anybody who feels that way, like, Hey, this, this is how it's got to be. Otherwise you're not, you're not suited for this, for this grind, like for, <laughs> for what Penn state football is supposed to be. So, kind of jogging my memory here and maybe we don't want to bring up the players that speculate on who he might be talking about, but a guy on the reverse that we have seen them praise for a lot of the things that you just described, Nate Fitz, Is that why Cam Miller comes up so much? A guy who has uh, committed to being as good as he can on special teams, got some reps last year uh, in kind of uh, cleanup situations outside of his talent and, and the excitement about him playing corner also, is it is it the buy-in that they also want to then prop up as an example for young guys of, if you're going to be here, we want you to be grinding behind the scenes like Cam Miller? Yeah, and it's understanding the importance of things like special teams. And and Cam Miller kind of latched onto that because he wasn't going to play a corner last year. And I think he'd be the first to tell you that. And he saw the opportunity there. You know, with those guys, with Joey Porter leaving, um, gives you an opportunity to step in and be that fourth guy. That fourth guy has a lot of value and is going to get a lot of reps and is going to be on the practice field a lot, uh, you know, with Kalen King and, and Storm Duck and Johnny Dixon. So I think that that's what plays into it. It's just, it's, it's very interesting going back to what Nate said is that these guys are such big fish. Like even the guys that we rate at the bottom of the class that we say, this kid needs a year or two 
maybe maybe even more to get ready to actually step on a Big Ten field, they don't feel that way, and they shouldn't. You know, that's a, that's part of why they're why they've gotten to where they've gotten in the, in the first place. And uh, it's hard. You see, you know, some guys don't make it. Malik McNeil didn't make it through the first year. Nate Bruce made it through two practices. You know, it's 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 very hard to get to get past that. And um, you know, for James Franklin to go into that uh, talking about tight ends, I think it's a very interesting scenario here because we joke about the third tight end being a hotly contested thing. And, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, the audience for that is a little bit smaller than when, when we're talking quarterbacks. Um, but it's, but it is very important because you've got Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, both of whom are, are battling injuries and, and not in the, the lineup right now. So a giant opportunity for Khalil Dinkins, for Jerry Cross, maybe for Joey Schlaffer, you know, you've got these guys that haven't really, been fully accustomed to what it takes to be a starter getting starters reps or getting first and second team reps that's such a big jump and i don't know that you can grasp that fully at times and i think that that's that's an interesting thing there because you know at the end of the tunnel when theo and tyler are back those guys are gonna be your starters so it'll be really interesting to see how Khalil Dinkins, what what he makes of this this opportunity for him, because it sounds like he's doing a really good job of it. Um, what he does when he goes back to being the third guy, you know that that that's the little things that you're trying to pick up. And you said it before, messaging, testing guys, you know, getting the guys to be frustrated and, and uncomfortable because that helps them grow. I think that's all part of this right now, and that's kind of what we're seeing in the spring, especially for guys that aren't used to getting reps and now they're getting a lot of reps. Here's we'll get into our next question, and uh, there might be less to talk about this because we do such a great job of covering things like this that are under the radar. James Franklin talking about the analyst roles after all the coaching changes in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we haven't filled all the positions. We lost some guys that we haven't filled yet, and typically they would have been filled. But my focus was on hiring a D-line coach that went longer than, than I anticipated. So we still have some some positions open. And then we also have some, some flexibility just based on, you know, the guys that we hire and what their contract situation is like. So, um, you know, we could, we could add a few more. We'll, we'll see how that, that plays out. Uh, there's some guys that, that we're in conversations with, some guys that we're going to invite up to, to spring ball. Some guys that were waiting to see if they were going to get picked up and hired in the NFL, or so on and so forth. So um, there could be there could be a few more guys still added you know, to to the roster. And then in terms of you know of of what they are able to do, it's all the behind the scenes stuff. And then it's hard for me to answer that question specifically because you know it's not like you know you you lose someone and you take that that next person and just plug them in. It's based on their experience. So like what Wiz was able to do and what Coach Rocco was able to do was based on their experience as head coaches as well as uh, defensive or offensive coaches. So so what is your, I, I don't know, level of concern or the fact they don't have a full analyst staff? Is, is that a concern this late into middle, as you mentioned, the middle third of spring practice fits? Is that something uh, you would really. be concerned about? No, I mean, they've, still got a ton of analysts i mean let's not <laughs> let's not make them out to be uh the, the poor kid on the block here like it's kind of how uh the staff has grown and it's do you do you have 10 analysts anymore no if you have eight analysts yeah that's fine um so i think that's okay you you lose ken wisenhunt which obviously 
you know, that's a sounding board that you can't really find anywhere else. Former NFL head coach and a successful one at that. So that's tough to deal with. Danny Rocco is now a head coach. Um, so you, you've had some guys, those, those trusted members of the circle, while you don't hear their name on Saturdays and things like that, very difficult to replace. Um, they've brought in a couple of different guys. Uh, Charlie Fry left as well. Um, so you, you did have some turnover. And that's what you should expect when you're following analyst positions. That's what you absolutely should expect because those guys are looking to get back into it. Yes. Frank Leonard is still around. Um, you're, you're looking to get back into it. So, I mean, it's uh, it, it's kind of the natural circle of progression there. You brought Dion on to be that guy, that sounding board for John Scott. Now all of a sudden you had some changes there. So you've got to make that work and figure out a different defensive guy. Uh, it's funny. He was talking about, uh, you know, sounding or feeling out guys, bringing them in during the spring. You can bring guys in for a week or two, uh, spend time around the team. I know Kevin Reiner, who just joined the Notre Dame staff as an analyst was up working with them through bowl season. Like that, that, that happens. Guys that don't get the full-time analyst gigs can still come up and you know be a sounding board provide input do whatever they want maybe on a volunteer basis um a guy that i'm looking at and i'm gonna go to this well every time he's available is ola adams who, who was uh with the denver broncos used to be with villanova i you know i still think that he's very much in play for being a future member of the staff if they can make the timing work um there's some whispers that he might end up at maryland so there's a lot of guys that are in flux right now um as college coaches continue to go to the NFL, as NFL coaches continue to be let go for other NFL coaches, th there's there's no shortage of college or there's no shortage of available analysts here. Let's let's be honest with with ourselves because this is the way that college football has gone. This is the way these staffs keep growing. And even though college coaches are all going to the NFL because they want the the lifestyle change and things like that, there's still a lot of people that coach football that can still yeah. work their way back into it. It's a it's a it's a recycle of sorts. Um, it's a it's a business that's you know there's there's a lot of I don't want to say back scratching, but a lot of guys know a lot of guys, and this is it's how also it, how small, it works. right? Yeah. So it's not like there's an expansive. You aren't graduating new coaches every year from university with a bachelor's degree. It is a very small community compared to maybe other sectors of. If you look at it as an economy thing, like you know there aren't as many yeah. engine there aren't as many coaches. There are engineers in the world. Yeah. And, and that's what you're looking. You're not looking for guys that are going out and motivating you on the field. You're looking for engineers. You're looking for guys that can figure out the why and the how, then put it into, um, you know, put it into perspective for the guys that, that can make it work out on the field. So that's what they're doing. And as they continue to open up roles for analysts uh, across college football in terms of open up what they can do and how much they can work with players and the other coaches and things like that, then you're going to continue to see the those those roles grow. Whereas, you know, Deion Barnes would have had to go to Miami, Ohio and be a defensive line coach or Akron or something like that before he may have come back around. Um, now that's not necessarily the case. They got him an analyst job and now all of a sudden turned it into a defensive line job probably quicker than anticipated. But that's, that's kind of how it works these days. You're, you're kind of feeling out these guys that you know of, that you trust and bringing them on in as, uh, as, as sounding boards. Um, Steven says, really interesting press conference. Thanks for breaking it down today. I it, I personally enjoy our new segment Between the Lines, so uh, thank you for saying that, Steven. I think it's super valuable. We're going to keep doing it as long as James Franklin keeps talking. Um, or in, in case I get outvoted, which is always possible. This is not a dictatorship. This is indeed a democracy. So uh, that's it for today on Between the Lines. We Wait. have to get... What? Fitz, did you, did you say Kevin was at Notre Dame? Was that... Yeah, I catch yeah, he that just right. Did a good job at Notre Dame this week. 
Oh, that's interesting. Does he know people there or like what's his relationships I mean, like? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he does. He was the offensive coordinator at, at old dominion. So like, that's going to give some clout. He's still, you know, a, a fairly young guy. Um, and I'm just going to throw a barb. He looks older than he is. Oh, um, sure. but, uh, yeah, he's, he knows some people and, um, I think he was, you know, considered for a role here, but like there's, there's different places that you go to learn. And I guess he's got some are, people at Notre Dame. I haven't talked you, to him. I, I sent him a, me a message. Are you fishing for sources? Nate, are you fishing for sources? It was a good joke that you just didn't pick up on. I, I'm very, I, I'm very, very good at jokes. You know that. Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. The school. Micah, never mind. It was anyway. a beta, it was a it was a it was a Penn State basketball joke, so it Guys, might have uh, flown under the radar. <laughs> tip your bartenders and waitresses. I'll I'll be here all week. Jeez. All right. Well, we're gonna be here for another few minutes because we got to get to the BWI mailbag. going to get a quick update uh on mike who we said at the start of the show was driving to a sales call uh turns out he told us he has a tesla so he's not driving so there's a good thing he also is here with a mailbag question um do you think that the staff will shy away from playing aller and Prabula next year in a two qb system because of the qb numbers this is something james franklin floated at the beginning of of uh the spring practice season uh nate i want to come to you quickly um any basketball news first and then answer Mike's question if you have a thought on it. Yeah, no, no basketball. And I don't, I don't know. That's, a, I mean, that's a good question. I think I haven't really thought about it. I haven't asked anybody, uh, right? Like, would you, I don't think he likes two quarterback systems anyway. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's. What do you consider a two quarterback system? Like, are we talking the Wildcat becomes a two quarterback system or we're we talking alternating drives? Because I think they're very different things. Yeah, I think the, I think the, like Tommy Stevens, Will Levis situation won't exist. I would put it that way, right? Like, are you going to, are you going to put Bo, Bo Perbula on the field just to get him on the field as a tight end or, you know, in, in some unconventional role, I would, that would surprise me. I, I don't Fitz, I'd be curious to know your take, but I don't, I don't really see that happening. I, I think they would do it to be honest with you like what? I, I think you like like not not like as a huge like part of the package but like to have that in your tool belt and i know penn state fans hate it because the way that it went with i think tommy um you know it started really great and then it didn't you know it, it was it was really good until it wasn't yeah. um but i think that they feel that Bo gives them an opportunity to like throw the ball like to, to, and this is not a situation where you see drew come to the sideline i mean you see drew split out wide just just make them account for something. I think that's what it comes down to is make them account for Brugula and what you can do. It, you know, it's, it's kind of like the T formation. Like once you figure out like the different ways to work around it, it becomes a necessary part of your offense. It's not your every down thing. It's not your, it's, it, it's not a big part of what you do from a drive to drive basis, but there's, I think there's a spot for it. And, and I, like I said, I know Penn state fans will not like to hear that, but I think that they're very, wary of today's college football in the sense that Bo, if he doesn't play, like I know he's a group yeah. Penn state fan wants to be a Penn state yeah. guy and all that kind of stuff, but like get him some action, get him in there. And that doesn't mean that they're going to go to this thing against Ohio state against Michigan, but it can be a part of your playbook. You got a 12 game regular season. You can make it work. You can, you can figure out a way to make it work. And you know, yeah. 
you say two quarterback system to me that goes back to the sense of playing the both of those guys not an equal amount of time but a, a decent amount of time they don't want to do that they don't want to have two quarterbacks they want to have one quarterback they want to have a maybe a complimentary guy that can change some things up for you every once in a while um so i i don't see them moving in, in that direction but yeah i think they're can, like we talk about guys that aren't going to play a ton, but they can carve out a role. Everybody has a role. You make that your role and you, and you excel at it. And I think Bo is a guy that can excel. Like I, again, every time he comes up, people say Penn state staff is just telling us what we want to hear because they want to keep him around from the transfer portal. I think the kid is good. Like you've heard the stuff you've talked yeah. to people in that program. There's something to this kid that is legitimate and I'm excited to see what that is, whether that's against Toledo, whether that's against Ohio State. I don't know. You know, it's it's, it's very much uh, somewhere in between there. So I, I think it's possible, but not in a two quarterback system. They want Drew or they want one guy to be the starter. I think I think they want Drew to be the starter in the sense that that's how that makes your program look a lot better. And if he's you know, if he's clearly above the other guy, that's obvious. That's an obvious decision. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, I think that's the way to go for that. I think you can make it work, um, you know. You have trouble with it, you go away from it. We'll see what happens with uh, with Mike Yurcich's thought process there. But I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not trying to figure out the best ways to score points. And I think that's a way that they can score points. Sorry, I was uh, sitting here drawing up plays for Bo Pabula as an option quarterback. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it opens you options. So let's take a couple of situations just randomly that I was thinking about. Sean Clifford struggled times with a rolling pocket where they would roll the pocket. He would stop and throw. What if instead of having a rolling pocket, you have a guy that is going on a sweep action. That's Bo Perbula. So you hand the ball off. It looks like a sweep play. All of a sudden it's a pass. He's a quarterback that can run. So you've got that option. I, that's just a free one for Mike Yersich if he wants it. Uh, but yeah, there, there's different ways you can you can get the quarterback involved uh, if he has the athleticism and the maturity and the intangibles that that Perbula has from everything we've been heard to make good decisions in that moment because that's one of the keys about Bo Perbula: quick decision making and he's right a lot. That's that kind of it factor thing. Um, Fitz. I want you to pick the next question because I know that we've got a couple here um, and I want this one to come to you. So which one do you want to answer here? Oh, I don't have that open right now. Um, oh, sorry. Let's see. Uh, with new position coaches, uh, which group is under the most pressure to deliver this season, the wide receivers or the defensive tackles? You got a graphic for that one? Or are we just going to go? Uh, I did not cut that one. So yeah, Perfect. we'll just go with that one. <laughs> we got a seamless live show here. It's fantastic. Um, no. So position coaches, who's under the most pressure? I would say wide receivers, just cause that's a little bit more under the spotlight. Defensive tackle again is not going to be a strength. And like, regardless, if you go pull a guy out of the portal, it's going to be very tough for that group to be, um, you know, better than it's been in the past, but it, it can still be okay. I think, I think the, the, the level of volatility is higher with receivers in terms of the drops, the, the things that we've seen in the past, um, developing a number one receiver, what happens when Dante Cephas get here? I think there's just so many questions there and that thing, that needle can move all over the place. So I think that there's a little bit more pressure and also you're breaking in a five-star quarterback. I think that that has something to do with it. Like you need those guys to support your five-star quarterback to make your offense go. You've got this window where you think you can be really good. A lot of that's going to depend on the offense. So um, I would say receiver here um, just because I think that that 
can take it to another level. I think the defensive tackles are going to be what they are, um, but I think that the receivers, um, if they top out their potential, can be very good. We talked about Keandre Lambert-Smith. I, I will say I kind of got left out of this conversation earlier, but it was very interesting to me that he mentioned Keandre and Trey Wallace as your two guys right now. And then there seems to be a drop-off. Malik McLean, there was high high hopes because of the athleticism, because the you know the attitude when he came and all that kind of stuff does not seem like he's there, kind of going back to the, the initial expectations that we had for him, that maybe it takes a little bit longer for him to to get into that. And then what happens after that with Amari Evans, with those slot guys and in, 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 uh, Liam Clifford, Caden Saunders, uh, some of the younger guys. So, like, I think that there's a, a distinct break there. Of course, Dante Stevens can help you out a lot with that, can can join that top tier of receivers almost immediately. Um, but I think that's where the pressure is because uh, you look at the teams around the con- or around the country that make the playoff, that win those playoff games. They have elite receivers. Penn State doesn't have elite receivers right now, but can they take that big step up? I, I think that's possible. So a lot's on Marcus Higgins because so much goes through those those guys. And to be honest with you, we see it so much more. Like We see it from a play-to-play basis when you're throwing the football. It, it, this is going to be a lot more pressure. We saw the defensive tackles against Michigan. You didn't notice them as much, you know, as much as you would notice uh, mistakes by receivers in, in, mm-hmm. in other games. Yeah. Uh, Beach one guy back again. He did not like my idea of using Bo Perbula in a package. He says, don't make Perbula the next Stevens or Levis. Uh, every time he goes in, he's running it because everyone knows in the stadium knows it. 2020, I will say, was very different. That was a very different season. That was a very different offense than what they did. Single wing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're like, we're just going to sledgehammer this way through the rest of the season. We're not going to try and be creative or, or advance the football other than literally trying to get three yards at a time. But but think about this. How much time are we spending talking about this? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's something that's going to come up. Well, how much time is somebody going to have to prepare for this? Like, Bo Prabula, you, you know, you kind of have the construct of what Drew is in terms of quarterback. And Drew can run, too. Like, let's let's be yep. honest. He can, he can get you the yards that you need, not necessarily going to break off the 60 yarder but Bo has the dual threat reputation i know mike yersich played that down last night but like they know that there there is the the element of that word threat like he is he is a threat to do things in different levels and it's it's harder to defend a quarterback like that and you need to take more time and you need to use your film time your practice time your things like that to to account for that because when you have a quarterback like Drew, who you expect to be a statue because of the stereotype of him being 6'5 and, and having the big arm and everything like that, when you diversify what you have to prepare for, it takes time away from the other guy. And that's where it makes sense to me. Uh, the next question here is something that I've been thinking about. And uh, another one here, like you said earlier, this is a live show. So I'm throwing this one in here as a wild card. Um, I've got a question from the mailbag on bluewhiteillustrated.com. A great way to get here on the mailbag. Bluewhiteillustrated.com. Once again, sign up now, twenty nine ninety nine from now to the beginning of the season. You get on the mailbag thread. It's easier to get here on the show. Uh, we are taking questions in the chat, by the way. So a couple more minutes here. Probably one more question from the chat. Is there anyone on the current roster that plays the role of Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel, as a bigger body receiver that can play certain running back plays? I don't think so. And I don't think that's where the offense is going. But I, I do think, Nate, this is something that I, I we talked about after practice, is I don't think it's a coincidence that Marcus Higgins was working with the outside receivers. He's working with the X's and, and the Z's. Those big-bodied guys, and, and I'm trying not to go too much into my prior evidence, but trying to build a picture of what Marcus H- Higgins is as a coach, what he coaches, and what he looks for, 
when we talked about him at Virginia, a lot of big bodied guys, a lot of physical receivers. And then he's going through a contested catch drill the first time we see him. These are just the, the notes I'm taking in my head. So I think if there is a guy coming to the question we got here of, is there a wide receiver breakout before Dante Cephas r- arrives this summer? I think that this is the opportunity for a big body receiver to get the attention of the new coach and to make a play. So even Malik Mega, you know, he's got to catch the football, obviously, but like there is this opportunity for guys to take a step if they are more to the liking of the new coach. And to me, what I see is uh, working with the big guys, working with the physical receivers on the outside, which is something I think they sorely needed in this offense last year. Nate, is, is that, do you think that's fair or am I reading two or three lines too deep on this? Cause that is also reality. No, I th- I mean, I'm I'm fine with the line of thinking. I think Malik is interesting just because clearly he's not in the minds of the staff a lost cause, right? I I think certainly they have found value for him in, on special teams, and but it's it just it remains a fundamental proposition of hey, this guy is physically impressive, right? That I mean, that was even man my memory now two preseasons ago or last preseason. But I mean, he was kind of a buzzy guy of, Hey man, this guy, like he, he, I mean, he's just a freak. He just looks huge. He looks great. And he, and he is able to put himself in a position to make plays. And then just the consistency in his career has not been there catching the football. Can it be? I I don't know. Right. I don't, I don't know. Right. I, I mean, I, I think that's the jury is still out on that, but certainly I do. I do think that what you're suggesting about the fresh eyes of a new coach would be particularly helpful to a guy like him because you're, you've got a fresh start. You've got a, a person who doesn't have necessarily the baggage of remembering all of your mistakes. Right. And, and having those mistakes be an outsized presence in the perception of you. Right. Yep. So, yeah. So that it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. I just, you know, um, we'll just have to see, I mean, he'll have to do it, right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you still, you still have to do it in front of Jay Franklin and it's going to take, it's going to take, uh, I would assume a, a hefty amount of evidence to say like, Hey, this is like that, that prior me is, is gone. Yeah. I'm, I'm now super reliable. I guess in in the terms of if there's a guy that does break out, I think it's going to be one of those outside receivers. I just the that's kind of my thought process, and the 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 room opens up a little bit. Um, that's all. I, I want to make sure you guys get the final word, though. Fitz, anything else you want to go? We running out of time here on the show. Any any last thoughts about that, or anything we touch on that you want to clean up here at the end? I like the running backs that they have for the running back role. I mean. <laughs> And this yeah. is not the 49ers situation where you're just trying to get to your guy. And by the way, it's it's a year too late because Parker Washington was that guy. If you were going to find yep. that guy, like the stout, like, um, but anyway, um, I agree. I, I will say Malik Mega has been at the front of the drills uh, all spring. Like the, as Nate mentioned, definitely not a lot lost cause. He's going to have to catch the ball consistently. He's going to have to buck the trend and shake the uh, shake the memories that that Franklin and the people that have been around um, have of him in terms of not c- catching the ball consistently, but fresh eyes never hurt anybody. So I'm excited to see him take that role. And, and he's 
really settled into that special teams role really well. So like that, and that's the, another thing to take out of it is he's been coachable. He's been a guy that has accepted his role and excelled at, at his role. Just hasn't been catching the football. So we'll see with that. Um, Trey Wallace, I think probably a little bit ahead of, of where we forecast it. You know, we were talking about him in that McLean role uh, or in, in that McLean battle right there um, for the third guy for when Steve Cephas arrives. So I think that Wallace has probably been the guy that's broken out so far, but you don't think of that because he is one of those original guys that we talked about at the, at the beginning of the depth chart. I'll be very interested to see um, in the slot what what happens there with, with Clifford, uh, with Saunders, maybe Amari Evans in there as well. Um, so we'll see very much, a, very much a we'll see process with that group as they try to find what four four guys for that rotation um cephas is very good does that bump keandre lambert smith there's just a lot of questions and going back to the the mailbag question about having the pressure yeah you're gonna have the pressure to find the right guys and then to get those guys to perform that's uh, that's a lot and i think that that's uh that's one reason it's so important especially when you when you've got a quarterback uh situation like you think you have the 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 talented guy, uh, the most talented guy getting it out there. So I don't know. That's just my closing thoughts on that. I'm not sure that uh, they're looking to change up and do some things like that, uh, that drastic, um, yeah. but uh, make it with what you've got. And maybe Nick Singleton's that guy that's your receiver that you're giving the ball as a running back. And I think <laughs> right. Penn State fans will be happy with the outcome of that one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that'll do it today for the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, what we've seen from practice, that's what we've seen for this week until next week. But that doesn't mean that it's over because our guys here, they get inside access. They get information throughout the weekend. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up now and uh, like the video, like all our things, like the podcast version. We're getting out of here. We will talk to you next week.